0: Welcome to Pretend I Know Nothing About. I'm Katie White, your host, administrator of COAAA. Well, welcome. I am joined here today by two leaders in the Care Transitions and SDOH division. Um, Welcome, Lisa and Melissa. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um, so let's start with your title and tell me a little bit about your journey to getting here and how long you've been at COAA. Melissa, we'll start with you.
1: Thank you. Uh, Melissa Gualtieri, and I'm the Director of Clinical Innovations here at COAA. I've been here for over eight years. Uh, started at COAA to bring the Ohio Home Care Waiver to the agency which was the first time the agency took care of children and young adults Um, my career started at nationwide children's hospital i am a registered nurse Um, i've gone from nationwide children's to uh, franklin county public health where i was a public health nurse then went to the ohio department of medicaid worked there for about seven years started a couple programs there and went to the james cancer hospital um, there for a very short time and then was recruited here to COAA.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And that makes a lot of sense now knowing all the different kind of pieces and places that you've been and how you bring that to your business and innovation mindset.
2: And Lisa? Lisa Castro. I am the clinical manager. Um, I've been here for a little over six years. I started out as an Aetna case manager um, in the MyCare program and then moved over to um, start our medical mutual program in 2018 with Melissa. Um, And from there, I have worked my way up to supervisor and then clinical manager. my background: I came from community mental health. I also worked in a residential facility and worked for an employee assistance program as an account manager.
0: Wonderful! This is such a dynam- dynamic duo. If you don't know Melissa and Lisa, they work really well together, and they're fun to have in the same room. I feel like your ideas always bounce off each other, and it's a good it's a good relationship. So, this division is one of the most. Um, complex, I would say, because you do so many different things. And so I wanted us to just kind of take time and um, talk about sort of at a high level, all the different programs that you run. So I don't know if one of you wants to name them all, and then we can go back and forth talking a little bit about each one. Do you want to give the overview of all the different programs? I'll take notes that way we don't forget. Sure. (laughs) We can can go in order from
2: when we started. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking too. Historic context. Love it. Okay.
1: And so in the fall of 2018, we signed a contract with Medical Mutual to provide care transitions with registered nurses going out into the home. And then in early 2020, we took over the Anthem Care Transitions and Care Coordination contract. And again, this is focusing on Um, SDOH and care transitions. And then in late 2020, we signed a contract with Humana Medicare Advantage. And this is an ongoing case management program um, for behavioral health and substance use disorder. Hmm. In August of 2022, we signed a contract with Central Ohio Pathways Hub and hired two community health workers to join the field. And then um, this year, in 2023, uh, we received funding and a grant from Molina Healthcare and Aetna Healthcare to do the Social Determinants of Health Accelerator program.
0: Woohoo! Okay, so one, two, three, four, five different programs. All right, Lisa, give us a little bit of a glimpse into what each of these programs do and maybe a little bit of like what types of people and uh, licensure make up the teams.
2: Awesome. Well, um, everyone on our staff is cr- um, cross-trained in each program. Um, so they are able to jump and provide support to each other if needed. First, our um, medical mutual program, it um, is ran by Kylie Key, who... Does a lot of work with tracking new, um, we get a new census every day from Medical Mutual, um, and it's, uh, people who have been admitted to the hospital. So she tracks them at, through their admission. Once they go to a SNF or a discharged home, and then she, um, works her engagement skills and cold calls them to schedule a home visit with one of our nurses. So she's setting up those visits. Uh, we have two nurses on the team, Elise and Amy, who go out and, um, complete the assessments do a med rec, and connect these members with any additional resources. Um, The program is short-term solution focused, so they stay involved for 30 days, um, just trying to coordinate any services that they might need. Um, In our Anthem program, we have one full-time person, Haley, who is a social worker, and she... um, we recently just started using a 5-9 dialer, so it helps her assist making calls quicker. With the 5-9 dialer, um, she's on the phone, so she's not necessarily leaving the voicemail. Um, the 5-9-dialer leaves the voicemail for the person they're trying to reach, and once a person answers, she picks up and she's able to engage them and complete assessments. So it helps her, um, the process go smoother instead of um, leaving voicemails and waiting for people to call back. The 5-9-dialer assists with that. Okay. Um, we have a couple other people that also assist in that program as well. We're going to be starting here soon um, with the Medicaid population and our community health workers are going to be assisting with that. Our Humana program, so that is our only program where we keep people long-term. Like Melissa had mentioned, it is more behavioral health um, and addiction services. Um, So we go out and we complete assessments with the members, identify needs, um, and then just follow uh, follow up as needed. Each person, um, when we complete our assessment, is – rated at a tier level. So that um, creates our contact schedule um, with them.
0: And how long are we case managing? Indefinitely.
2: Ongoing. Ongoing. Oh, ongoing. Yeah, this ongoing. is only one ongoing. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I wanted to mention, so Humana, um, because of the population that they're targeting, mm-hmm. it's really important that we have um, key personnel who are skilled at developing relationships. Okay. Because what we found that for ongoing case management with behavioral health and substance use disorder. Um, if you're able to build that relationship, we're keeping them from going to the ER. You know, they're calling the case manager and um, we're stabilizing them, you know, so they're avoiding avoidable readmissions, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding ER um, transports, 911 calls. So it's really beneficial for the entire community. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And
2: in that program, we have a, a lot of hands in it. We have Laura, who is a social worker. She's our primary person. She's actually been with us since we started the program in 2020. Um, then we also have Elise, who is an RN, that um, has helped us start the program, and she focuses a lot more on engagement and then training new staff. Um, then we have myself and Bruce assisting with that program and two other social workers. So we're all pretty busy in there helping out um, in that program our um, pathways hub we have two amazing community health workers so they're not only working in the hub getting referrals from them they're also assisting um, our agency here with uh, additional um, referrals that are sent to them okay and then our new program our sdoh program we have a lot of hands in that as well with um, the nurses are the ones who do the home visits. so we have linda and tammy um, who are out in the community doing the home visits. And then on the phone we have um, Angie and then our community health workers, Roz and RC com- and Bruce, completing SDOH screenings okay. and linking them with the services that they might need based on um, the findings in the screening. So we've
0: got all of these different contracts, and the majority are short-term interventions. Some of them, like MedMutual, Anthem, those are pretty well prescribed, right? Like that's their program, and we're contracted with them. And then for the pathways and SDOH, this is where you all are using your clinical experience and sort of looking out toward What's coming down the pike for aging and disability services and creating it as we go. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what excites you about the pathways or utilizing community health workers and SDOH. Talk a little bit about that work.
2: Well, one, our community health workers, they come with a wealth of knowledge of community resources. Um, And if they don't know, then they do a deep dive to find whatever they might need for these people. Um, Another thing that they're bringing to our agency is they will service any age group. So it's not just focused on um, the aging population. They are working with kids, young adults, grandparents raising um, kids. So there's no limit to um, their scope of practice. Yeah,
1: and and it's exciting. So um, RC and Roz are our community health workers, and they have worked in the community for years, and they are passionate about what they do. Um, you know, they go out and do community events. They're able to engage people like no one else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just amazing to watch them. And with our programs, you know, because a lot of it is short term, um, it's not like a waiver program where we're giving a big service, you know, or they're needing, you know, ongoing, um, you know, Personal care or or nursing, um, we really have to be able to engage the people quickly um, that we're reaching out to in in all the programs that we're doing. And Roz and Arcee are just experts at engagement. They relate to the community, they're teaching us all so much. And I think that's one of the things that I get excited about with our division. You know, we have community health workers, social workers, nurses, and we all complement each other and bring something different to the table, which means we're meeting more people where they are. And if we meet them where we are, where they are, we're able to make an
0: impact. Yeah. And that interdisciplinary team is really cool and the cross training too. So each program sounds pretty different than the other one. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you've got nurses and social workers and community health workers that can really fill in and backfill in any program, super cool. The um, podcast with the Take Your Kids to Work Day, Roz and Arcee both had um, family members speak about them on that podcast. And the things that they said about them were, I mean, almost brought me to tears, honestly. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's a true testament to just who they are as people and how you can connect with someone so deeply, so quickly to have an impact as a huge talent. Yeah. And that's what we look for. I mean, you know, we have to
1: have the right people on the right bus, you know, in the right seat. And if they're not, they're not going to be happy. So for our teams, you know, you have to be really comfortable and confident on the phone, comfortable and confident in person, you know, engaging, talking about the aging and disability uh, network, but also being able to talk about how dynamic COAA is. And we serve everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, like we really want to be the one-stop shop. You call COAAA and you know that we're going to figure it out. We're going to, you know, get your needs met.
0: Yeah. Um, You talk about buses. It's like you guys have a whole fleet, right? Like you've got a bunch of different buses that are going in different directions. But yeah. But we all come together and solve the problems. That's right. And so um, thinking about, you know, who all we serve, when people think about COAAA, they might not realize that if they're going into nursing or social work or community health worker, that we are in all of these sort of like specialty areas that they think they might want to be in. So we serve all ages, we serve disabilities, we've got behavioral health, substance abuse, hospitals, interdisciplinary teams. So I think there's um, really something to be said about coming and working here and Learning how to be a great clinician um, and a great generalist, and where you might be able to go.
1: Yeah, we agree. You know, we're hiring excellent social care clinicians. That's right. From all disciplines. Yeah. And learning from each other.
0: All right. So now that we have an overview of all of the various programs, I'd love to hear from each of you. We'll start with Lisa. Tell me about your typical week. What does that look
2: like? Uh, My typical week is never scheduled or planned um, unless there is a meeting i mean we cover five different programs so i'm not only providing support for my staff but i'm also in there with the programs Um, And they're with them doing the work, monitoring their work. So just being able to, I don't call it multitask because I don't believe people are effective that way, but being able to jump from one program to the next um, without things getting left. So my goal is always to finish one be supportive, move over here. So I can't ever plan for a day of just being in one program I, because I have to be able to jump freely um, in between all five of them throughout the day because my staff is um, needing the support.
0: So you personally are logging in and helping with different programs where needed in all five places? Yes. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah, it's okay. fun. I mean, <laughs> I guess for me, I like it because um, I can step in anytime that they do need help or if they had a disruption in their day um, and they reach out to me, that I am going to be available to be able to support them. Um, but then also I know how to work every program, so each system. So that is something um, I can, you know, take with me or just know that I um, – Have learned each program how do i transform it to teach other people to be able to learn these programs
0: so you could jump into the pathways hub or humana or anthem anytime
2: i would say the pathways hub would be the most difficult but i can go in and and do that if they needed to i can follow up on their notes creating the work i might need to have to reach out for some help because some of their stuff is very detailed but um yes i definitely can get in there and that's wild yeah fun it's
0: exciting so I'm glad you think it's fun it's overwhelming to me (laughs)
2: somebody's
0: (laughs) got to be good at it so I'm glad you are yes Melissa how about your typical day or week
2: you
1: know again my typical day and week is um, always changing and evolving Um, I'm on the admin team so that takes up you know some time Um, but always looking uh, at new opportunities how can we improve Um, just like this week, I've met with almost everyone on our team individually. Um, that was a priority. So every week, it's a little bit different. But I think the end goal is, <clears throat> how can we move COAA forward? Um, How can we serve more individuals and serve them more effectively? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of always my goal. So I'm trying to improve myself, trying to improve the team, uh, trying to improve our agency, and then looking forward to see what is next. Mm -hmm. You know, what's coming coming down? What are the needs individuals are going to have?
0: And how can we meet those? And so when we think about what is next, I think that's where the SDOH accelerator program really comes into play. And it's like, we are carving that path. There isn't necessarily a program that outlines each of the steps that are going on there. Um, and I think it's really fun. I know it's stressful and difficult to create all those paths, but it's pretty amazing what our team is doing there. I don't know if either of you wants to share a little bit more about sort of where we've come and what we're doing so far on a weekly or daily basis with SDOH, but I think that might be interesting.
2: Well, for me, it is not stressful or difficult. I like the idea of starting something and seeing it transform um, into more and reaching more people. I'll let Melissa talk more on our SDOH program, but um, that tool we've used outside of that um, in our other programs. So We've been able to take that and implement it into our medical mutual program. Our community health workers are using that tool. We're using that, um, you know, something similar with our Anthem program. So not only um, did we have one program that we designed it for, we're able to extend it to multiple programs and reach more people to identify the needs.
0: That's great. And then that's also that consistent data around the social determinants of health that people are, you know, either struggling with or doing okay with, but we can look across programs and see some population data. Yeah. And the SDOH program originated,
1: Katie, with you and I going to Austin a little over a year ago and hearing about Z codes and billing codes and how they were uh, connected to social determinants and how we could improve health equity. And so We both were very passionate about that. Lisa and I think uh, a lot alike, and we're both very passionate, and we like a challenge and um, thinking outside the box. We want to be leading edge. And so, developing the SDOH tool was just a natural natural evolution. And, um, you know, we're really proud of it. We copyrighted it. Um, we have the Z codes embedded so we can use it for billing down the line. But like Lisa said, we can use it now, you know, to collect the data, to impact change. Um, so the social determinants of health, I really think, you know, and, health, and in conjunction with health equity, that is the future. You know, we really need to be looking at, um, you know, how 80% you know, someone's social determinants affect their medical care and their livelihood. Right. And if we focus on that, everyone's going to win. It's going to be a win-win for the insurance companies, for the community, and especially for the individual.
0: The Social Determinants of Health Accelerator Program is our way of trying out this new future of social equity. And so we're screening people for their needs, we're attaching it to Z codes, which, For those listening that aren't familiar, Z-codes are a way to bill for your work on social determinants of health. And as far as I know, nobody's trying this yet. There's a lot of research around it. There's a lot of people saying, this is where we're headed. This is where we're headed. But we're here in the trenches trying it, um, working with a software company called Monami to co-design what that needs to look like. So um, it's just this totally out-of-the-box Innovation that I think is really reflective of the talent that we have here. Um, and so I don't know, I just think it, it's one of those programs where I love when we meet and I love tracking what we talked about in the last meeting and how far you've come and how things are just progressing really, really quickly.
1: Yeah. So you know, the social determinants of health is really helping us guide the interventions. You know, the screening tool we use, and then based on that, we're looking at what are the biggest needs. Mm -hmm. And we've completed probably about 350 screenings since the end of March. That's great. Um, A lot of them are in person. And what we're finding is food insecurity, housing insecurity, behavioral health, social isolation, you know, all those things that we you know, had a hypothesis that this was going to be the issue, but now we're getting the data. So surrounding that data, um, you know, Katie, you've come up some, with some really great um, innovation sessions, and I think, you know, the whole staff here at treboy are excited about that. And, um, you know, so from that, we realized, and in, in the population that we're serving, that we're targeting first for Molina is a diabetic population. So looking at that and what the challenges were, we were able to quickly develop an rn intervention. So what we're trying to do with this, you know, accelerator p- pilot is to figure out the need, figure out a pilot intervention that we could try out, see if we're making an impact and then be able to go back to the health plans and say this is what your members are experiencing. And we trialed, you know, we did we researched, we have the data, we tried these interventions and this is what's improving health equity.
0: And CMS recently put out some regulations around the fact that there are at least three questions that need to be asked for to every individual on Medicaid every year. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that right? um and I think it's about housing insecurity, food insecurity and transportation. Yeah. So that came out when we were already sort of in motion with our program which was, you know, exciting to see and we're obviously asking a much more robust set of questions, but um hopefully if you're listening to this you can start to see that we are sort of carving out this template of What's required, but then how do we put our holistic lens as an area agency on aging to meet requirements and then make sure we're really meeting the individual where they are and getting their needs met too. Challenges and successes. I like individuals to kind of share some of those. Some of them are similar across departments, but also they might look a little bit different. So we'll start with the challenges. What, what are some of your
2: biggest challenges? Our program is a little different since we are cold calling people. They're not expecting our calls initially. So we run into some issues uh, of um, learning how to, um, when when the um, referrals change, how to change our engagement to meet the members. So we're adjusting um, as a team, sharing ideas of how to be able to create engagement to um, get these members to utilize the services, or I don't want to say convince them that they need help, but, um, completing these assessments to, um, be able to have a conversation with them to see what we're doing to, or like what we can do to support them. So, um, I would say it's a challenge of, um, people not feeling like we are a, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? scam like we're not scammers Right. Oh, we so <laughs> i could not think I'm of sorry, the words sure no it's okay going. um so we um we really have to you know represent like have An idea of who we're calling, but also to present ourselves that we're not scammers and we're there to be able to provide the support to them. Um, So I would say that is a challenge for us. And then also in our area, we're dealing with a population of more of a commercial population as well. So not everybody um, is Medicaid eligible. So we run into people who might need services in the home, home health services that might not qualify for um, our other waiver programs here. So being able to still help them feel supportive and um, remain safe in their home is a bit of a challenge for our um, nurses and social workers and community health workers to be able to get creative and find additional solutions to support them.
0: Is there any kind of challenge with morale when you're you know having to cold call, or is that not an issue? I don't-
2: Not within our team because we all um, – I feel like when someone new might start, like they might get down or not feel satisfied, but once they understand the process and utilize their team as support, um, it doesn't hurt the morale because if we're – like for example somebody just came over into the SDOH program and they gave that like idea a different idea a different perspective on what they leave on their voicemail and i mean we've mm-hmm. been doing this from since 2018 and we've never once um, you know came up with an idea to get someone to call us back and she had this one it was RC our community health worker had this amazing idea to you know make it sound like it's it's of a need like there you need to call us back so we can help you or um i think the term she used you know it's important that you give us a call back um and just changing that phrase to the importance of it um you know that we're there to support differently like she received many calls back and other people have tried it on our team and it has been successful so it, interesting. Is, it is, you know, just changing like verbiage, but I mean, you know, we thought we've known it all and, you know, somebody new came over and was like, well, I get calls back and I'm saying this. So we're like, what? Let's <laughs> yeah. use it, you know? Well, so, and, it,
1: and it wasn't a lot. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a big change. It was just two words, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, that was changed in the verbiage that, you know, has been successful for us with Medical Mutual. But again, with this, you know, the SDOH um, accelerator program, we're calling, we're outreaching a lot of Medicaid Clients, and so we weren't getting them to call us back. She changed a couple of words, and boom, we're getting you know some results. That's great.
2: So I, overall, like our morale is up because everybody is. Although they're all different programs, everyone is doing a similar outreach, so we're all supportive of that process. And then we just started as well, like making sure people identify like success stories so we can see the work that they're doing, they can see the work that they're doing and the impact they truly are making.
0: I think highlighting those daily successes is so important. And I think, did you recently share a voicemail that somebody left? Mm-hmm. I um, see the... Um, the information, the survey, and I filled that out and the that, And I was very good because I was very impressed with, um, with you, your concern, your questions, your follow-up, um, all the benefits that I received. And, um, you know, I wanted that to be known. So if it's not received, please let me know and send me another one. <laughs> I have no problem filling it out again, or if someone wants to call me, I have no problem letting you know how pleased I am with your service and with Medical Mutual. Those stories are so important to share in your team and just having that open, supportive environment of like, try this. Or, you know, once you kind of get used to maybe a different style of work. Um, yeah. And Melissa, how about you? What are some of your challenges?
1: So pain points for me um, Is trying to balance, you know, trying to balance what the payers want, what the funders want uh, from us. And then also meeting the needs of our staff, keeping them engaged, keeping them feeling um, invigorated, energized, you know, about the work that we're doing. Um, You know, so it's just balancing everything. Yeah. Um, That's the biggest pain point for me. And I would say the biggest success I get is, I mean, every week they're sharing impact stories from every program and to hear, you know, this idea that we had in 2018 or, you know, this program that we started in 2020 and then how it's evolved, you know, and now we see the end result, we see the outcome, we see the impact and, you know, every day I get a success story and I love it. And just like the voicemail that we received from, you know, a medical mutual consumer who, you know, they they don't have waiver services, and it is a short-term intervention. But our nurse was ma- able to make such an impact that the person not only completed a satisfaction survey, she wanted to call in and say, this was amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: You guys are doing amazing work. Yeah. And a lot of starting new programs is it's kind of like sales right it's like this is the way that the um insurance companies and the healthcare industry is moving we're at the forefront of getting individuals to sort of understand this shift and get in there and so um while sales is really hard the reward piece does feel that much better when you know exactly like okay we did that right Mm
2: mm-hmm I mean, and since, you know, we're on the topic of success, just looking how big our program has grown since we started. I mean, I think there were three, we started with three, maybe four of us. And in September, we'll be up to 16 staff members and wow. five different programs. So that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And you're getting your MBA, right? Lisa? I am. Yeah. And do you feel like were you motivated by, you know, getting into this role and working on so many different contracts?
2: Yes, and no. It, okay. um honestly, I chose like the social work path because I was always intimidated by math <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest, I was like, oh, I'm kind of great at this stuff. Let me you know, do that. Um, but it has always been a goal of mine to get my MBA. okay, but this, I mean, has definitely shown that I am really good at seeing um a vision and, you know, starting with nothing and, you know, carrying out that vision and not only, um, for the people we serve, but also our team, like our, um, being able to create environment where other people like this type of work or like not doing, you know, being able to go from one program to the next. Um, and also like they're, support that they bring from the top down in our area, like they know that they can lean on each other, but also lean on their supervisors, their managers as well. Yeah.
0: And I think there's um, a real talent that you have in sort of liaising between starting something new, which can be really overwhelming, bringing along interdisciplinary staff, but also being really um, open and honest, like one of the first SDOH meetings that we had, and we had kind of laid out like, "Here's what we're thinking," and you were like, "Well, that's not going to work." And it was like in this really like constructive, smart way of saying like, you know, mm, cool idea. No, that's that's not how the real world works. And then again, four months later, where we are now, and it's just like this fully operational, efficient machine. It's I don't know, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, when you say that.
1: Lisa and I are the dynamic duo. I mean, I, I do believe that we complement each other very, very well. We work like we know what we're thinking, you know, before we even say it, you know. So we have like the same vision and the same goal, and we're both uh, determined to figure out, you know, how do we start with this concept, this idea, and then pull in the constraints of the contracts and the requirements, but then sell this idea to the team. Mm-hmm. And get them passionate, because we are both, you know, pretty passionate people. And the team feels that and they know that we're right there with them. You know, so we, we really want to know what what are the challenges. And we're always asking them, you know, tell us what we can do better. Right. You know, you, you, you're you doing this now. You know,
0: we, we had this idea, what do we need to change? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, Lisa, you being able to drop into any system that has to hold um, a huge amount of respect with your team, too, I would
2: think so. Yeah, definitely. They love me. <laughs> no. I um I'm probably the more like relaxed one when it comes to starting new programs just because like I go by the saying like everything's figure outable. Um, I don't believe that barriers, will, we run into barriers, but I mean, working together and the team that we have, we're, we've already proven over the years that we can overcome them. With our um, team and being able to grow, um, it's just a huge success. I mean, even, you know, working with Melissa, I mean, the idea of starting the care transitions when I um, left Aetna MyCare, was like a jump, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't understand this new role that we were doing when, you know, I left a pretty structured job and, um, the idea of having like a blank slate to create a program with how it works best for your team and the community is it's wonderful. It's, I mean, it's a great opportunity and experience. So to be able to keep developing four additional ones has been a great opportunity.
0: And for everyone on the team, too, to kind of see how that all works and plays out and knowing that, you know, their contributions matter and they're a valued team member. All right, let's talk about like a favorite story or one of your biggest successes. What's something that sticks out?
2: For me, just coming over here in 2018, some background about why I was passionate in the first place about this program starting um, with Care Transitions. I had, um, I, I mean, I worked at the agency, I came over at the agency because, um, For health benefits, not knowing like where my career path needed. So in 2016, um, my son's father was in an accident and he was paralyzed um, from the chest down. So coming from somebody who had no resources, I mean, I was in the social work field, but you know, in hospitals and rehabilitation centers and not getting any um, support of like direction or what to do, like how to set up your home, how to get. Um, a ramp like you know I was in this world of I have no idea what to do Um, we had to you know figure out everything on our own and then I came over here in 2017 not so a whole year later not knowing that I could have help Mm -hmm. so a whole year after his accident I start here and I'm like in an orientation and I'm like oh there's services in the community that could help somebody you know um, in our situation. And that is how Melissa and I got in contact with each other. Because um, I was in the Aetna My Care program. She was in Ohio Home Care Waiver, which that was the type of waiver services we needed. And ever since that day, we had the conversation of how important a care transitions program would be for somebody who doesn't have any services in place. Mm. Um, and being able to have somebody go out to your home and help you navigate the system. So for me, I mean, how the how it all started and the vision of um, an experience that I had that I never knew would lead me to this. Like from the day we met, we had the same idea of how amazing this would be. And then a whole nother year later, we are doing it.
0: Wow. So it's really thinking about what you needed and making sure other people have that and yeah. know about it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess that would be a big success story for me too, because when we started – other programs, I mean, I've started different programs, Ohio Home Care, SRS, you know, different things like that. Um, We had a script, you know, Medicaid was telling us what to do, and when we started the Care Transitions program, there was no script. It was on me to figure out, you know, how to staff this, you know, what would be our staffing model, um, who did I need on that seat, you know, in the bus. And um, so I, again, i I talked to you earlier katie i had a vision of who i needed for my engagement specialist and it was you know essentially the personalities of a drug representative and when lisa came and applied again it was just you know like an epiphany you know we have she's passionate about care transitions it affected her life personally and you know we were able to make the connection She was the perfect person to start the engagement and help me figure out, you know, you know, we threw so many things against the wall to see what would stick, you know, be able to get a commercial population, you know, to not only engage with us on the phone, but agree to a nurse coming out, you know, into their home, you know, in their business. And um, Lisa was the perfect person. And we just complimented each other. And then she's just moved, you know, up and kept helping me, you know, with every program that we're starting.
2: That's so
0: fun. I feel like um, a lot of the programs here, not just in your division, but in, you know, whether it's my care or even, you know, front door and screening, we do have this cool culture of not only great teamwork, but also thinking about how to get better, how to be more efficient, how to be more effective. And so it's just, you know, easily played out to see in all of these different programs that you are starting. But I do think we have a culture of that here across the agency too. And I, I don't, I guess I don't know if that's unique, but it feels special, I should say. Oh, I I think it is. You know, I think everyone
1: is, you know, we all have the same goal. Someone calls us with an issue or a problem and we want to figure out how to solve that, you know, how to get them connected. And, We don't stop with yes. We go, yes, and you know, someone asks you a question and you say, yes, we do that. And,
0: you know, we're able to do this. And I think that's the culture of the whole agency. I do too. So we're already on to the final thoughts. See how fun and easy this is? (laughs) What are your final thoughts or, you know, specific things that you want staff to know about your division and your programs? Melissa, I'll start with you.
1: You know, I, for COAA, you know, because I do more, you know, again, I'm on the admin team. Um, I look at the agency holistically, you know, and then also obviously my division. But I want people to know within our agency and then everyone outside of our agency to understand we have dynamic social care clinicians. We have dynamic support staff and support teams. You know, we are all in this to win it. You know, we're in here to make a change and, um, you know, we're doing everything. We don't serve just the aging and disability community. We're serving all ages. And if you have a question or a concern,
2: reach out, and we'll figure out how to get that need met. That's right. And, yeah, just to add to that, um, one, that our program exists. Um, <laughs> so we have been, one of the things we have been doing is attending team meetings, one, two. Um, talk about our programs, but also emphasize on the work the work that our community health workers can do as well to be supportive within the agency. Um, but for me, everyone here and everybody in the community that they recognize that we are here to service all ages.
0: It's major. One-stop shop, like Melissa said. So before we wrap up, I just do want to make sure that people know that the SPARK program as well as CARFIT uh, fall under your division. But because they're so specialized and different, we're going to have um, separate episodes on each of those. But just so that listeners know the depth and breadth of all of the different programs in your division, wanted to mention that. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Per usual, I learned a lot. And um, thanks so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you.